Hello and welcome. This is a podcast of ukraineworld.org, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko, editor-in-chief of ukraineworld.org. Is Ukraine committed to its integration with the EU and with the West? On the policy level, perhaps, though some revanchist trends are visible trying to undo key results of years after Euromaidan, But in the information space, we can notice a huge anti-Western information campaign from pro-Russian and oligarchic circles in Ukraine. This campaign has huge resources, including on TV and social networks, and seems to aim to cultivate disappointment and mistrust of Ukrainians to anything connected with the West, with the EU, with the US, with IMF, with Soros, etc. So what's happening with this anti-Western propaganda in Ukraine? Today we have a conversation of two Ukraine world experts, myself and my colleague Vitaly Rybak, analyst at Internews Ukraine and UkraineWorld.org, and key expert of our monitoring of anti-Western propaganda in Ukraine. Vitaly, good afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us. So what is this anti-Western propaganda in Ukraine? What are its key narratives? Hi, Volodymyr. Thank you for inviting me. It should be noted that these anti-Western messages are not something new because we've seen uh, them resurging or appearing like uh, throughout all Ukraine's independence. We even saw some anti-Western messages in 1993 when Ukraine was in talks uh, with Western partners on uh, dismantling its nuclear arsenal. And even back then, we had some narratives that Ukraine is like controlled by the West and so on. But we've seen these anti-Western narratives emerging in 2018 in the wake of uh, presidential elections and parliamentarian elections. And many political forces used used them during 2019 elections. These are, for instance, the most prominent ones, opposition platform for life, the most pro-Russian party in Ukraine, led by Viktor Medvedchuk, who is like Kremlin's top ally in Ukraine. And also we've seen such, we've heard such narratives from uh, Shari's party, you know, Shari, uh, the most popular video blogger in Ukraine, uh, who is allegedly pro-Russian, and also like even from some uh, members of parliament from Servant of the People Party, Zelensky's party, who have alleged connection to oligarch Igor Kolomoisky. So, yeah. yeah, so I would I would agree that the, the first it's about Medvedchuk, right, who is who is um, Putin key ally, let's say to our listeners who probably know Mr. Medvedchuk, who is uh, Putin is godfather of his daughter, and he, during the Yanukovych era, he founded a movement called Ukrainsky Vibir, Ukrainian Choice, which was basically saying that Ukraine should renounce from the EU-Ukraine Association Agreement because it would lead to same-sex marriages. So this is what Yanukovych tried to do before Euromaidan, and Euromaidan uh, was a, a, a big revolt against it, we remember. But around 2018-2017, Medvedchuk came back very actively into Ukrainian politics, right? And, um, and uh, you know, le- is leading this party opposition platform for life that you mentioned. It's also about Mr. Shari, who is a kind of a more aggressive and uh, 
I would say targeting a younger audience uh, party, uh, which is which is trying to get those people who are much younger than typical voters of Mr. Medvedchuk. It is true that these are people around uh, from the Yanukovych entourage, like Andriy Portnov or Olena Lukash. They are also very active, and it is true that there are people around Kolomoisky. And you are absolutely right that they are. Basically, uh, basically, even sneaking into the ruling party servant of the people, despite the fact that Zelensky seems to be a very kind of rhetorically very pro-Western politician. But let me ask uh, about the narratives, like uh, what what they are saying, because the the key narrative is about external governance, or what they're saying that Ukraine is under the under the control of the West, what they're calling Zapadne Kuratory, Western curators. Can you develop a little bit more? What are the key narratives of this anti-Western propaganda? Yeah, of course, because it is very interesting that while these different political forces are targeting different audiences, their narratives are mostly the same. And uh, for me, it's a sign that these narratives are really basic and they are tailored to really work and resonate with different audiences. But what are these narratives? For instance, that uh, George Soros, American philanthropist and uh, economist, has numerous servants in Ukraine, the so-called Sorosyata. This word Sorosyata is like, comes from Polosyata, piglets in Ukrainian, maybe, we don't know exactly, but it is used by all these anti-Western actors to signify those who allegedly work with Western governments, receive funding like Western grants and so on. And this alleged Sorosyata, these anti-Western actors say, do everything to please their master, George Soros and no, do not care about Ukraine's interests, which uh, I would say, I would say, Vitaly, that this this concept of Soros doesn't really target people who are connected with Soros Foundation in Ukraine because it targets everyone who is well, who had in in his or her career. Uh, any you know link to European Union, to the West, to United States. So it's a kind of an image that is targeting everybody with pro-Western orientation, right? Right, of course. And uh, let's d- dive a little bit deeper. For instance, also anti-Western actors say that this Solosiata, who are also in Ukraine's Verkhovna Rada and in Ukraine's civil society, they promote the idea of creating a land market in order to sell off all Ukrainian agricultural land for cheap while there, there's coronavirus pandemic going on and while the price is allegedly very low. So... This is one of examples where anti-Western actors describe Sovetiata as those who work in favor and to satisfy interests of their foreign, like foreign masters, not Ukrainian um, people, not uh, people who depend on this land, which would allegedly be sold off. But, uh, of course, this narrative is not true, and uh, therefore manipulations and lies are being used to pose this Ukrainian land market as something it is not. 
just to remind to our listeners that that Ukrainians uh, own their land, many Ukrainians own their land, but they cannot sell it. And it's a very paradoxical situation when you own something, but you cannot do anything without it, uh, with it because the market of the land is frozen. And of course, there is a huge debate whether to open this market or not, but it is clear uh, for the many people that, uh, well, if, if, if there is no market, then there are the shadow mechanisms behind. And uh, obviously, for boosting the Ukrainian agriculture, which is uh, one of the key sectors of the economy, it would be needed to make land, at least part of the land, a market uh, where you know people can sell it or buy it or enlarge their their ownings, etc. But as as Vitaly said correctly, very very pertinently, anti-Western propaganda tries to show that it is a greedy, uh, evil. Uh, you know, demonic Western people who want to uh, come here and and buy all the land, all the Ukrainian land, which is physically impossible because it's only a tiny part of the Ukrainian land is is discussed to be an open for uh, for this market. But I, I think it's it's very interesting that the image of Soros is uh, kind of taken because uh, it's a kind of an antidote to the image of Putin. Because uh, obviously during the Russian aggression, during the war provoked by Russia in eastern Ukraine, after the annexation of Crimea, Putin became one of the symbols of evil, the personification of evil. And uh, it's interesting that the popularity of Russia in Ukraine did drop significantly after 2014, but not that much. I think majority of Ukrainians are still positive to average Russians, whereas the rating of Putin dropped significantly to like four uh, to seven percent or something like this, and it was very very high uh, before the war. So it's an attempt to find a personalization, another personalized evil, and uh, an attempt to show that the West is. Uh, probably a bigger enemy for Ukraine than Russia, an attempt to show that the Western curators, as they call it, or the Western, I don't know, counselors, or the Western experts, or the Western money, is the bigger threat to Ukrainian sovereignty than Russian tanks. Don't, don't you think this kind of attempt, Vitaly? Yeah, that's what really amuses me, because, you know, these anti-Western actors, they take their worldview as a basis for all narratives they share. And in their worldview, there is one single strong leader who is responsible for everything good or bad, what's happening, and they try to uh, transfer this worldview at the West, and they try to find someone who might be like Putin-related, Putin-like figure who would be... uh, responsible for everything good or bad happening with Ukraine. But the truth is the West and Ukraine's cooperation with the West is not like this because we have uh, many different political parties in Ukraine which see Ukraine's cooperation with the West a little bit differently. For instance, if we take European solidarity and Holos party, they like have different approaches and uh, maybe even different ide- ideologies where European solidarity is more um, like... Between conservative and Holos is more... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's why, what I meant. 
So, um, but it's interesting, you know, many more well, multilateral and multi-vectoral than anti-Western actors try to put it. But that's what they draw from, from their worldview, where there is only one vector and only one leader who then puts the agenda down. It's interesting. You're absolutely right, I think. It's interesting that uh, basically this, I would say, hierarchical structure of Russian politics where everything depends on Putin to to this or that extent. We can, we can talk about different towers, the so-called towers of Kremlin, but uh, the, the different players around Putin, but everything more or less depends on him. And, uh, you know, the Western world, which is very much chaotic, Ukrainian politics is also much more chaotic than the Russian one, uh, much more decentralized, in which much more, you know, players there are. And therefore, it, it's very it's very difficult to find a person, personification of the West, one person that would personify the West, because it's, it's, it's not Donald Trump, or it's not Angela Merkel, or, it, or it's not a president of the European Commission, or any other people. Therefore, this image of Soros is taking kind of a, an image of a businessman. Another image is, uh, uh, is taking is an image of Bill Gates. Uh, and the the whole bunch of propaganda um, during the coronavirus from these anti-Western actors is linked to this idea that it is all provoked by Bill Gates, etc. But uh, what would you say about the current narratives, for example, on the current information agenda about Belarus, about Navalny poisoning, uh, what what they're saying on these subjects? Well, with Belarus, it is also very interesting because Right now, as you may know, there are protests for peace and freedom in Belarus, for freedom, most of all. But uh, in some aspect, these protests do resemble uh, the European, the Euromaidan, which was uh, in, uh, in Ukraine in 2014. And, uh, you know, uh, peaceful protests are not something which is in the worldview of uh, the Russian world, which anti-Westerns are, anti-Western actors are indirectly promoting, uh, because these peaceful uh, protests, as they show them, are not something which could happen naturally, which could happen without Western interference. Or in this case, Western interference, but in general foreign interference. And like it was in Ukraine, these anti-Western actors say the West uh, supported protests which later led to war, to loss of Crimea and some part of Donbass, and also uh, to, like they say, collapse of Ukraine's economy. And now they try to pose these protests in Belarus like just the same, that the West is messing with people in Belarus trying to provoke them to act against Lukashenko and against Russia, and that this would lead to destruction of Belarus economy as well. And they put different uh, like arguments why this might be happening. For instance, I've seen arguments on Medvedchuk's TV channels that uh, Poland and Lithuania are supporting this Belarus in order to make all uh, state-owned 
enterprises in Belarus closed so that people would lose their jobs and move on to work uh, as a cheap labor in Belarus and Lithuania, where they have problems on their labor market due to their own citizens leaving to richer countries of the European Union. I've also seen a narrative where uh, these anti-Western actors try to pose Telegram channel Nexta, which is a popular information source for people who are protesting. Um, and they try to say that this Nexta Telegram channel is being financed by um, by Polish government, by some Western funds, and hence it is not independent and it promotes uh, Western agenda, something like that. Yeah, so it's it's interesting and cynical how, for example, Russian or pro-Russian media are saying about external interference into Belarus affairs while there are two military bases of Russia in Belarus and while Russian spin doctors uh, come to Belarusian media and basically take over it right now and pushing the, the, the Russian propaganda about, I don't know, which we in Ukraine so know about it. For example, that white, red, white flag of the protesters is actually a fascist flag, etc. So... And the same basically is in Ukraine, uh, because uh, we started with the remark that Mr. Medvedchuk uh, had a, a movement, had a kind of a social movement called Ukrainian Choice during the Yanukovych period, and it was a key intellectual and massive movement to distract Ukraine from EU integration. And the message was that we suggested a, you a really Ukrainian choice, and Ukrainian meant anti-European. Uh, and the same, they're trying to say the same now. They're trying to say that they're fighting against Ukraine losing sovereignty to Western powers. And they're actually, they're pretending they're, they're fighting for Ukrainian independence. And it is so cynical because basically they're fighting for Ukraine being absorbed by Russia, which is a much more, much, much bigger threat to Ukrainian sovereignty than, you know, Western capital or George Soros. So yeah. we see this. We, we see we see this pattern uh, coming up and and returning, and and we see it also repeating itself on Ukraine, on Belarus, etc. Let me ask about the Ukrainian agenda. We are approaching the local election, which will take um, at the end of October, and there, I think, the most uh, important local election in Ukrainian history, and probably the most chaotic and the most rich in probably reach in violations and, and some unexpected stuff. Why are the most important? Because these are elections coming amid decentralization reform where the local communities get much more money and much more resources. So uh, the battle is indeed much bigger than it was before. So what's happening around the anti-Western propaganda uh, in the local elections and in which regions it is the most widespread in your opinion? Let me start from uh, let me start with a news piece from yesterday about uh, alleged troll farm which was located in Zaporizhia and uh, Ukraine's security uh, service SBU detained people who were assembling this troll farm in order to influence Ukrainian elections um, they were allegedly uh, aiming to promote separatism narratives and 
disinformation narratives also about some major political parties in order to influence people's opinions in the wake of local elections. And as you noted, these elections are really important and special because uh, if we take decentralization in mind, local governments really decide a lot. And uh, given that in Ukraine's parliament, we now have... uh, an overwhelming majority of the servant of the people, which is, of course, now not as homogeneous as it was a year before, but uh, they still have the majority. But they can really lose support of people in local uh, radars, in local councils, uh, in local governments. So... uh, in eastern part of the country and also in southern part of the countries, Meduchuk's opposition platform for life and even Sheree's party uh, have decent chances of uh, entering local governments, uh, having their uh, members in local councils and uh, really influencing local politics. We also remember that uh, in Ukraine's southern oblasts, like in Odessa, in Mykolaiv, and in Kherson, people can uh, really catch Russian TV channels on satellite. And it is also true for some northern oblasts, like Chernihiv and Sumy, where people are targets of Russian disinformation spread via Russian state-owned TV channels. So this factor also might be used to influence the opinions of people and uh, give this uh, pro-Russian, anti-Western parties food in the regions, which they would later use uh, prior to the next parliamentary elections, which would give them better chances. So uh, these local elections would really show us what we might expect from the next parliamentary elections. Yeah, we totally agree. And probably these coalitions between uh, Servant of the People and Medvedchuk Party that can take place at some oblast councils or city councils can also take place in the next parliamentary election. And this will mean a dramatic U-turn of of Ukraine in its policy. So it will be much more pro-Russian than before. But let me add that, uh, for example, in some of the regions, for example, in government-controlled Donbass, basically we can can take... can talk about the competition of different uh, pro-Russian forces with pro-Russian rhetoric, like uh, Akhmetov's opposition bloc is competing with Medvedchuk's opposition platform. And civil servant, uh, or sorry, servant of the people of Zelensky is not that present, not that strong, and pro-Western parties like Holos or uh, Poroshenko's European Solidarity are practically absent. Or we can talk about the local politicians, like uh, there will be a, a time of these local parties uh, coming up, like Truhanov party in Odessa. Truhanov and Kernes uh, have their their party, which is called Trust the Deeds, between Odessa and Kharkiv, and. Basically, they are also not at all pro-Western politicians, and they will compete again with Medvedchuk and probably with Servant of the People. Also, this Propositia party, which was founded uh, by Dnipro Mayor Boris Filato 
also very interesting because it unites several mayors, which for now have really high ratings. For instance, Filatov himself, the mayor of Cherkasy, the mayor of Mykolaiv, who will likely win in these local elections. Uh, this Propositia party is also being posed as something in the middle between Medvedchuk party and between like the most pro-Western parties. And it aims to use uh, this narrative that Ukrainians are being divided between West and East, and there should be a political party, this proposition, which unites them. So we also might expect some national nationwide uh, ambitions from this political party in the future and yeah it's interesting that it comes from the mayors and it has these national ambitions and and basically suggests the idea of a kind of a bottom up approach to politics like we are the mayors uniting etc but let me come back to our topic anti western propaganda in ukraine let me tell our listeners that at internews ukraine uh, we made up several studies very empirical studies control armies of these anti-Western actors because we're trying to study not only disinformation content but also disinformation behavior. Uh, what we call by disinformation behavior, basically, it's it's not our concept. It's a it's a, it's a well-known concept in 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 the literature of uh, of the analysis of information flows and disinformation is the concerted practices by especially by troll armies on in social networks. And uh, we've seen, for example, we analyzed Medvedchuk and uh, we uh, just, we analyzed his Twitter. Uh, you can see our analy- an, a- a- analysis on our website, uh, ukraineworld.org. And there is several conclusions which were surprised us. Basically, we knew probably that he would be using, you know, the help of these troll armies. But one a little figure would give you that in July 2018, when Twitter was deleting the huge number of, of uh, inauthentic accounts, which were linked to most probably to Russian propaganda, Russian troll armies, uh, Medvedchuk lost uh, over 300,000 followers on Twitter, which means that probably they they are part of this, you know, big. Russian troll army. Uh, but when we analyze his uh, fans, his audience right now, the accounts that uh, share his, his posts, for example, who retweet his posts or who just follow him, and he's still followed by 150,000 followers, we understand that a lot of them, a lot of them, uh, according to our estimation, probably up to 60% or even more, are basically troll, trolls or bots. And they are quite often linked to uh, to pro-Russian information, uh, information space. So these bots are very pro-Kremlin, very pro-Putin, very, uh, very pro-separatists, if we talk, uh, talk about Donbass, etc. So the same, the same applies to other anti-Western actors like Mr. Shari or Mr. Dubinsky, Kolomoisky ally. We see that a huge proportion of the followers of those people are inauthentic accounts, which are have very strange handles, like often very often a combination of random characters, and which often have huge activity, like they're tweeting around the clock, nonstop, nonstop tweeting, 
and for example, they there are accounts uh, which are supporting these anti-Western actors who tweet uh, around hundred posts per day or even more. So you can imagine how prolific they are, and obviously, it's it's very weird to expect this from ordinary people. Uh, Vitaly, you also studied YouTube and uh, the com- the commented commentators of the most popular anti-Western YouTube channels in Ukraine. What would you say about them? Yeah, we also found some interesting results. Uh, to begin with, a few words on how we did this research. We like selected uh, ten most active commenters on all these channels for each of these channels and we also analyzed 1000 random commenters who uh, posted under each of these channels to see if we can uh, detect any patterns or any inauthentic behavior and what we found out is that first most commenters do not indicate which country they are from and it was really not like surprising for us but very symptomatic that uh, these uh, people, whether they are real or not, they do not indicate where they come from. And, well, because their profiles are really not uh, filled in. They're really basic, just like name, which might not even be real, and maybe some kind of profile picture, and that's it. Um, also, from those very little people who uh, indicated their country of origin, many were coming from Russia. For instance, for Anatoly Shari and Olga Shari, like m- most active commentators were coming from Russia, not from Ukraine. Also, another uh, point which we found, which personally amuses me the most, is that most active commentators post on multiple channels. For instance, they could post on eight anti-Western YouTube on, uh, on eight anti-Western YouTube channels at once, and uh, like really uh, copy paste or uh, spread their messages with some uh, program optimization, something like that. Uh, and also spread these messages about Western curators, which are being copy-pasted under different videos uh, on different YouTube channels. So, like, we can clearly see that while some of these accounts might be real people who have a lot of free time, others are clearly bots who post, like, five uh, identical comments under one video and so on so yeah so they're they're like traveling from one channel to another and you know they're they're showing themselves that they're rather information warriors than than true uh, true authentic users we also started let me also say that we also started the question of MH17 we have uh, we've published uh, two articles on MH17 one is done by our colleague Dutch investigative journalist Robert van der Noor uh, co-founder of trollrensics.com, uh, uh, a very important organization who is uh, dealing with this also disinformation behavior and troll armies who is trying to uh, to find them. And he found the troll army which is pushing for Russian narratives uh, on MH17. 
And uh, you made an article on uh, kind of a, a collection, a network of Twitter users, Twitter accounts around the media called Bonanza Media, who is also uh, helping the Kremlin propaganda on the MH17. So you can find these articles on ukraineworld.org, our website, as well as the uh, the conclusions, major conclusions of our research, which is called Fake Funds, how anti-Western uh, actors in Ukraine and Russia use troll armies to uh, push their agenda. Uh, but the major conclusion is that I would say that indeed uh, these anti-Western actors seem seem to have a lot of money because they have a TV empire, Mr. Medvedchuk and some other oligarchs, Ukrainian oligarchs. They are very active on telegrams. I would say that while Facebook was the key social network during Euromaidan, Telegram is now the key social network behind this anti-Western backlash. We know that Telegram has Russian origins. And uh, it's interesting how, how different it is with Belarus, because in Belarus you mentioned the Nechta Telegram channel, who is very you know popular right now and one of the key instruments of uh, exchanging information between protesters. While in Ukraine, I would say the Telegram is uh, hijacked by anti-Western actors primarily, who are much more present here, who have much bigger figures in terms of audience. We don't know whether they are fake or not, but uh, by analyzing, analyzing Twitter and YouTube, we understand that everything can happen and they can be fake audiences. Vitaly, you wanted to say yes, something? Yeah, yeah. You know, the main thing is that most of these popular Telegram channels are anonymous and we do not imagine who these people are. They might, they might be in Russia or they might be in here, somewhere in Ukraine. Yeah, the anonymity, which was probably a positive thing about Telegram and designed by its its creators as a positive thing, uh, is turning against itself. Basically, Telegram is uh, is a social network where the uh, disinformation rumors and unchecked and uncheckable information is the, 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 the major the major product. So this is it. This is our overview of the um, what we call by at Ukraine World uh, and Internews Ukraine what we call anti-Western propaganda in Ukraine. I would say that it is very worrying and trends that we follow now, but uh, it's important to know more about it. Uh, this was the Ukraine World podcast. Uh, we had Vitaly Rybak, uh, who is analyst of Internews Ukraine and UkraineWorld.org and one of the key monitors of this anti-Western propaganda. And my name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm uh, analytics director at Internews Ukraine and uh, chief editor at UkraineWorld.org. Uh, follow us on social networks, on Facebook and Twitter, and stay with us.